Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Welcome, Pathway family, at all of our locations. Those of you who are watching online, it's great to be back. Uh, I've been over in Israel, Egypt, and Jordan over the last three weeks leading a tour of Pathway people in uh, the Holy Land and also meeting uh, and talking to some of our Pathway Global outreach partners that are in that region. And it was an awesome trip, and it was great really seeing firsthand some of the things that God's just doing all around the world. Now, I'm super psyched about this weekend's message, and I'm excited because we've been talking about the heart of the matter as it has to do with our giving. And I love how we've dove into the truth that our giving is really about our hearts. It's really about having a trusting heart, an amazed heart, and a surrendered heart. You know, it was interesting about six months ago when uh, I met with a, a spiritual life coach, one of the things that he had me do before we met was to map out some of the biggest spiritual difficulties and tragedies of my life, along with some of the greatest spiritual mountaintops. And I have to admit, I was a little bit shocked at the results, because the map showed that the majority of my key spiritual mountaintop experiences revolved around my financial giving. I mean, it was so surprising in many ways because it showed so clearly how and where my heart grows the most. But there was a dark part about it as well that really bothered me. And the dark part about it was that it revealed to me that the reason giving grows my faith and my heart so much is because deep down in my soul of souls, I love money. I love money. I love my money money can buy, and I love the security that money gives me. I mean, even when things are kind of going crazy all around the world like they're going and doing right now, I feel like my money in some way, it can protect me and and it can insulate me from other problems that are affecting other people. It revealed to me, really in my heart of hearts, that I hold on to money for protection and security more than I hold on to God. 
So you see, my mountaintop experiences of my spiritual life were actually just those small moments by God's grace that I allowed God access to my heart of hearts. And I opened up my hands that were holding on to money tighter than I was holding on to God. And when I let go of my grip on money, just amazing things happen. I mean, amazing things happen like the moment when Chris and I gave away the down payment we had for our house to be able to give to a nonprofit ministry. Amazing things happen like the moment of a financial campaign where we gave a significant part of our retirement away. And amazing things happen like even uh, this last Christmas, we made the largest year in gift to Jesus that we've ever made. You know, this last Christmas, I'm telling you, it was awesome. We spent a lot of time great with family and friends. But I'm telling you, the most meaningful, uh, the deepest spiritual part of our Christmas that I will never forget was letting go of a big sum of money. So you see, it's been in those moments of my spiritual life where I think I felt the most afraid, yet at the same time, I was the most afraid, but I felt the most alive. You see, it's been in those moments where I've cracked open my heart, where I've actually said, God, I love you more. I believe you more. I trust you more than this money that I can hold with my hands. You see, it's been in those moments as well where I've I've felt this deep river of life just flooding into my soul that's been unexplainable, that's actually just been a huge catalyst for my faith. And Pathway Family, I want that for every Christ follower here. To be able to experience this, that same kind of thing, I want every Christ follower to experience that same overflowing fulfillment, that same sense of meaning, a purpose of life that God has for every one of us as we give to him. You see, indeed, it isn't something that God wants from us. It's actually something, I'm telling you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's actually something that God wants for us. That is so, so true. Now, the other reason that I'm excited today is because I knew that I would be preaching this text before I left to the Holy Land, and I knew being in the Holy Land would uh, allow this text to maybe come alive in some fresh and some new ways. So the passage of scripture that I want to take you to to today is in Mark chapter 12, and I want to set the stage a little bit for you of what's happening here. You see, the story today actually unfolds in the final week of Jesus' life, right before his crucifixion. It's in Jerusalem, it's the Passover. The population in Jerusalem has swelled to about 10 times its normal size, and Jesus, he's there in the temple. It was just about two weeks ago uh, today when I was in Jerusalem on top of the Mount of Olives looking down over that temple area. That's what it, it looks like today. It's just an amazing sight. But back in the first century, it wouldn't have looked like that. It would have looked a little more like this. It would have looked like this. This whole temple area is gigantic. It's the size of about 15 football fields. And as you can see, the temple area itself, uh, that building right there in the middle. And back in the first century, the temple was the place where the sacrifices and offerings were made to God. It was a place of worship. So in our story, it was Wednesday. Two days before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus goes into the inner part of the temple, into that inner part of the temple, to where there would be 13 trumpet-shaped bronze receptacles. And in these bronze receptacles, a person could make a voluntary offering to pay for temple expenses. 
Temple expenses such as wood or uh, for sacrifices, anointing oils, etc. So Jesus is in this inner part of the temple watching people make these free will offerings into these bronze containers. And that's where our story picks up today. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. It says there, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. So the first thing I want you to notice in, in the story was what Jesus was doing with the last 48 hours of his life before he goes to the cross. You, you've got to believe that the time uh, is really of the essence for Jesus. You, you've got to believe that every single moment, right before he goes to the cross, it, it counts, it matters. So what's he doing? He's sitting there watching people give their offerings at the temple treasury. And he's commenting about it. So the thing I want you to see here is God cares and watches what we give. God cares and he watches what we give because he knows it's at the heart of the matter. He knows where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And think about it, what do we spend the most time of our adult life doing besides sleeping? The thing we spend most of our adult life doing besides sleeping and making uh, the thing that we do besides sleeping is making money and spending money, don't we? Money is just a huge part of our lives. And that's why God cares so much about this subject, because it dominates so much of our lives. That's why 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus tells in the Gospels have to do with money. That's why even though, though there are 500 verses in the Scripture where Jesus talks about prayer and faith, there are over 2,000 verses where Jesus talks about money or possessions. You see, the reality is God cares about and he watches our giving. So in our story, Jesus is watching people give these voluntary offerings. These aren't prescribed offerings. These are voluntary. Some people have put large offerings into the temple treasury. But who does Jesus take special notice of? He takes special notice of this poor old widow who puts only in two small copper coins into the offering plate. And then Jesus makes an audacious statement about her. He says she actually has given more than all the others. So how can two small coins that this widow puts in be worth more than all these other larger gifts? If you look at it from a monetary standpoint, this certainly couldn't be true. But if you look at it through the eyes of Jesus, it can be, because Jesus sees the heart. Notice what Jesus says next. He says, they gave out of their wealth, but he gave all, but she gave all that she had to live on. So you see, Jesus was trying to get the disciples to see this woman's fully devoted heart, because that's what's really important in our giving. So the question then becomes for you and I, how do we have a more fully devoted heart in our giving? Because that's what Jesus is really looking for. 
Well, I want to point out a couple of quick truths today about this widow that I think can really help us grow to have a more fully devoted heart in our giving just like this widow gives. And the first one is her giving was all about God. The widow in our story made her gift all about God. She, she went to the temple, the place where really where God was worshipped, and she made a voluntary gift offering to God. She didn't do it because she knew that her offering was going to help other widows uh, in the community. She didn't give that offering because she thought it was some big project was going to happen because she gave her gift. No, she gave her gift to God. That's who she gave her gift to. It was to God. That's why it says Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. She made her gift to God. And I want, I want to say something real quick here. Because there's a, a phenomena in our culture that's called an anti-institutional bias. And we all have some in some degree, an anti-institutional bias. And we have that bias because of ways that we've been hurt or become distrustful of institutions in our society. I mean, many times we felt an anti-institutional bias toward our government. We, we've seen corruption in our government. We've seen abuse of a power and, and money in our government. So we have an anti-institutional bias toward our government. And that anti-institutional bias can sometimes leak into our feelings about God and the church. And, and let me say those feelings are real. But I want to let you know that even back in the first century, the church, the temple, it wasn't perfect. There were problems with the institution of the temple back in the first century. I mean, you might remember it was just a few days, a few days before this, that Jesus came in and he cleansed the temple of the money changers. But even though this widow knew this, her giving wasn't between her and the institution of the temple. Her giving was between her and God. And our giving is to be the same way. It's to be between us and God. Because it's to be a, a transaction. Our giving is to be a transaction and a, and a declaration of our full devotion, trust, and surrender to him. That's what Jesus saw in this widow. And my friends, that's what Jesus wants to see in us. He wants to see that kind of, same kind of heart in us. You know, it reminds me of a couple here in our Pathway family. They're a very normal couple. Live in a very normal neighborhood like many of us. And they make very good money, but not something certainly unusual. But I got a note from our finance director the other day that they had made a six-figure contribution to our church family. And I was just blown away. And so I just wanted to call the husband and say thank, thank you. And we've been friends for a number of years. But what really struck me about our conversation when I called was that he was certainly glad I called. But he and his wife, gift wasn't about pathway per se. I mean, they were certainly excited. They enjoyed being a part of the mission here. But their gift was about them responding to what God had given them and them expressing their full devotion to him. It was about them and God. You see, that's what Jesus is talking about here. That's what this couple was exemplifying. That's what the widow was exemplifying. Giving is all about us and God, and our full devotion to him, and our, in essence, our declaration to him, and our evidence of. It's our evidence of our full devotion, trust, and surrender to him. It's so concrete and so powerful when we're able to do that. 
All right? Now, the second truth that the widow teaches us from our story is her giving was all about what she didn't give. You see, the story is not about what the widow did give. Rather, the story is about what she didn't give. She gave everything she had. You know, classically, the, the story is called the widow's might. But actually, when you look at the text, it says that the woman had two mites. She could have actually kept one of those mites for herself, and she still would have given away 50% of everything she had. You know, it was interesting. When I was in Israel, I picked up a widow's mite. You can, you can see it here. They're tiny, like the size of a contact lens or a tic-tac. I don't know. But, and the cynical part of us can read the story and say, well, two mites, that's not very much money. When you have nothing, it's not hard to be able to give it all away. But many scholars believe that two mites was probably more like the modern-day equivalent of $2. So this poor widow was actually giving away her very last meal. Jesus was commending this destitute widow because others had contributed out of their leftovers. But she, out of her poverty, she puts in everything she has. This widow gave all she had to live on. She gave her whole life. Her whole bios, her whole bios is what the Greek word is here. She kept nothing for herself. She gave everything that she had to God. He, she gave everything she had to live on. You see, she fully trusted God. She trusts. It's a verb. It's a verb. It's what we do. So when we give, so when we give, I want to challenge you to be able to stop for a moment. I want you to stop for a moment when you give. And I want you to think about this widow. And I want you to think about what you're not giving and why. Because the poor widow was so amazing to Jesus because why her wholehearted devotion, her whole trust, the evidence of her trust, that was what blew Jesus away. When the sides were good, but it was the evidence of her wholehearted trust in her giving to God. She gave it all. She gave it all. You know, there's a story the story of the widow really kind of reminds me of a true story I heard the other day. It's a story of a little girl back in the 1800s who had fully devoted herself to God. Back in the 1800s, a pastor walked up to this little girl who had been turned away from his church because they said it was too crowded. And the little girl sobbed to the pastor, I can't go in. Seeing this little girl's shabby clothes, her unkept appearance the pastor guessed the reason for the class being too full and so he took her by the hand and he found a place for her in that little Sunday school class and the child was so touched that she went to bed that night thinking of all the other little children who had no place to worship Jesus and so over the next two years she was in Sunday school class nearly every week but then suddenly, tragedy struck. This little girl passed away in one of the poor tenement buildings in Philadelphia where she lived. Her parents, they called that kind-hearted pastor who had befriended their little daughter to handle her final arrangements. And as her body was being moved, a worn out and crumpled purse was found which looked like it came from a dump. And inside that little purse, 
they found 57 cents with a little note wrapped around it. And on that little note was scribbled in childish handwriting this message. This is to help build the church a little bigger so more children can go to Sunday school. And for two years, that little girl had saved this offering of love. And when the pastor tearfully read that note, he knew instantly what he must do. He carried that note and that cracked little red purse to the pulpit the very next weekend. And he told the story of this girl's unselfish love and her full devotion to God. And he challenged his congregation to get busy and raise enough money to build a larger building. But the story doesn't end there. A newspaper learned of the story and published it. And it was read by a realtor then who offered the church a parcel of land worth thousands of dollars more than that church could have ever afforded. When he was told that the church couldn't afford that much, he offered to let them make a down payment. And the amount of that down payment was to be 57 cents. And the story, it continued. It continued to spread like wildfire, and checks came in from far and wide. And within five years, that little girl's gift had increased from 57 cents to $250,000. A huge sum of money for the late 1800s. And that little girl's full devotion to God, you see it had paid huge dividends. That caring pastor was named Russell H. Conwell. And he became the founder of what is now known as Temple University. That little girl's name was Hattie Mae Wyatt. She died in 1886. And in a sermon on December 1st, 1912, which honored Hattie, Dr. Conwell reminded his congregation of the impact of that 57 cents. He said, think of this large third church. Think of the membership that has been added since that offering was made. Over 5,600 people. Think about the institutions this church has founded. Think of the hospital that was built and the thousands of sick people that have been cured. And think about Temple University and all the lives that have been impacted. If God can do that with 57 cents, think what he can do with $5.70, with $57, or $570. And Pathway family, the same is true for us today. Imagine what God could do through us as we come together. And we allow God to grow our hearts to be more fully devoted to him in this area of giving for him to be able to take more territory. That's what this little girl was. God had taken territory in in her heart. That's what God wants for you and I. He wants to take up more territory in our hearts through our giving. So today as we wrap up this series, I want us to have a moment like that little girl did, like that widow did in the temple. A moment where we can crack open our hearts, where we can open our hands, and we can let God have control of our lives in this area of of giving in a way that we never even thought possible. And the image that God's been really putting into my own mind over the last several weeks is this one. I've been imagining my heart and God wanting to take more territory in my heart, to be more surrendered, 
to be more trusting, to be more fully devoted to him. Like I said earlier, when I look at the spiritual map of my life, I've seen that stretching myself to be more generous has been a key catalytic factor in growing my faith. So even now, Chris and I are pushing ourselves to give God more territory in our hearts through our giving. So when you came in today, you got a card. Lift that up. Wherever there you're at, lift up that card. And on that card, uh, you will see that it's really an invitation and a, and a way for you to be able to go on a 90-day heart journey. To take a step, step really of trust so that you can experience the life that's truly life that God has for you. And, and allow him to be able to take up more territory in your heart. So on that card, it says, because my heart is being changed, I will start giving consistently or increase my giving to God through Pathway Church for the next 90 days. And for some of you, maybe you've never given to God in your whole life. And going on this journey, maybe kind of that step for you is committing yourself to be able to give 5% of your income to God. And for others of you, maybe your step is to take this go on this heart journey and for you to to move your giving to be able to give a tithe to God giving 10% of your income and I know I've been in in these seats before I know doing something like that man it feels crazy I mean it feels it feels out of control but I promise you God will bless you in so many ways that you will never imagine and I don't even know how that's going to happen because I'm telling you it looks different every time Don't put God in a box because I'm telling you it's going to look different every time. Maybe he's going to lower your expenses. Maybe he's going to sustain your household appliances. He, He might protect your health. He might keep your car out of the shop. I don't know how he's going to do it, but one way or another, God will provide for you and he's going to take you on this journey and give you this life and this faith that you never imagined. Now, I know those of you still, you've been already giving 10% of your income. But I want to encourage you, Pathway family. I want to encourage you, if you've already been giving 10% of your income like Chris and I, to increase your giving to God. Because what Chris and I are doing, we're trying to allow God to take up more territory in our hearts. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do for all of us, no matter where we're at in the journey. But I just want to encourage you, Pathway family, do something crazy for God. That's what this moment is about. Don't let it slip by. Do something crazy for God where where God gets all the credit. And allow God in these moments to be able to take some territory in your heart. Because that's what we're talking about. That's That's what my prayer is for all of us. That we allow God to take up more territory in our hearts. Well, what I want to do right now is I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us that we'll all have the courage. We'll all have the courage to be able to go on this heart journey. And I know if you'll go, if you'll go, God, do something crazy. I promise you, don't miss it. Don't miss your moment in the temple today for God to be able to do something crazy in your life. Go on the journey. So I want to pray right now. After I pray, your campus pastor is going to come and give you some more instructions and give you some more time to be able to listen to God and to be able to take a step into this journey. So pray with me right now. And then your campus pastor is going to come.
Well, Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for my good friends, my brothers and sisters here, and my Pathway family. God, thank you so much for this journey we've been on over the last four weeks, and, and thank you so much for this next 90 days, God. That we're going to go on this journey and we're going to allow you to be able to take more territory up in our hearts. God, I just pray that you just do something powerful in us, God. As we surrender in some scary ways, God. But we know as we do that, God, you just use it to be able to transform our lives, Lord. Father, we just bless you. We love you. And we just pray all this right now in Jesus' name. Amen.